A lot to cover on this Friday episode of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Pitchers and catchers reporting in just a few days. This is exciting. We're getting close to the start of the fantasy baseball season. Welcome, everybody. Adam Azer with Scott White and Chris Towers. Well, what do you got? My intros are always terrible, so intro to show. I think it was great, Adam. I don't think anyone could criticize that or any intro that you've ever had. Anyone who would, uh, frankly, uh, I want to know who their boss is. <laughs> Aren't you all of our bosses now? Um, I don't think I'm your boss. Uh, yeah, it's, that's funny. Like, for those of you who don't know, Chris is basically like, he's the GM, the new GM of CBS Sports. And, <laughs> yep, yep, the CEO. <laughs> no, he's, uh, taking on more of a leadership role these days, and he's our boss, so that's kind of true, but we'll just joke Sorry. about it. We'll just joke about it throughout the year, so <laughs> whenever we get into an argument, we'll just let Chris decide it. Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, Adam. Today on the show, some player debates, complete with Twitter polls, and some combos, like what we did earlier in the week. A uh, crazy stat I'm about to give out about Chris Sale. And yeah, just, uh, we're just gonna talk about, like, there's no real structure to this. A lot of emails, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. It's called a smorgasbord, and let's get started. Stat of the day. Chris Sale led baseball last year with 214 and a third innings. So from what we can tell, Chris Sale, again, 214 and a third led baseball. That's the fewest in baseball history, beginning in 1901. You know, to lead the league, excluding two strike shortened seasons. That's incredible. Yep. Is that a fluke, an anomaly, or a sign of the times? I think it's a trend. It's mm. the furthering of a trend. And I don't know that, you know, that means there's going to be the, the, the MLB leader is going to have 213 innings this season. Uh, not necessarily. There are still some hanger ons to the, uh, old way of doing things. The, give a pitcher 200 plus innings but i think we're going to see less and less of that going forward and more and more of what uh what we're seeing the dodgers and astros do which is move pitchers in and out of the rotations to preserve their innings and allow them to pitch at at closer to peak ability um instead of wearing down and and exposing themselves to injury you know it's going to be really interesting we've kind of mentioned this at some points, but this whole pitch clock debate. Pitchers aren't going to be able to throw with the same amount of force if there's a pitch clock. You know, one thing that we've seen Fangraphs tracks this is, you know, pace, the average time between pitches, and they also track average velocity. And those things are highly related. As league-wide pace has gone slower, average velocity has gone higher. And I think pitchers are throwing harder. Like, pitchers are are throwing with more, uh, I don't know, intensity. Yeah. That's not going to be the case with the pitch clock. And I wonder what the downstream effects of what I think we can all agree are an inevitable pitch clock uh, will be. Well, yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't happen this year. I don't think it's going to happen this year. It looks like they're moving away from that. But I just want to say there were seven pitchers in 2016 that threw more innings than Chris Sale did in 2017. So, you know, was it just kind of fluky because Kluber spent some time on the DL, Kershaw was on the DL, Scherzer got hurt, and still pitched 200 innings? Yeah, I mean, Scherzer pitched, I think, two or three fewer starts than the year before. Um, and it's not really a trend. If you look at the year-by-year leaderboards, basically since the early 2000s, there's been like one guy who threw 250 innings, 
But other than that, the yearly leaders were usually in the 225 to 235 range. Right, but that's still a huge drop-off for Chris Sale at 214. Right, yeah, I would guess that's a one-year. There play. is definitely a downturn of innings year by year. I don't have the stat written. Well, not to go what here, I'm saying is the but... leader, the leaderboard, well, yeah. the league leader. This is the first year that it was really down. And well, and what I was saying is, you know, there are several pitchers I think who are capable of throwing 220 innings still, and they may this year, but they are a dying breed. And you know, we did have Severino emerge in that group last year, and maybe. Another occasional guy will emerge, but it's, it's not like, it's, I don't feel like that's the goal for every pitcher anymore is to become an innings eater who can throw 200 plus innings or even 180 innings. It's, again, I don't have the stat ready to go, but I think there were only like 13 pitchers who exceeded 180 innings last year and it's gone down by like a dozen mm-hmm. each of the last five years. Scott, uh, yeah, the 13 number is definitely not correct <laughs> I, yeah again i was going off the top of my head i, I think it might be yeah. 190 and uh, I, I don't know um yeah so that's there's more like 30 pitchers who threw 180 innings so scott we'll uh we'll figure that out there right. in fact were there was, there was as many as 30 last year who threw 180 34 yeah, right, 35 34 right, i'll i'll figure this out <laughs> if we're if no. we're demanding accuracy on this off the cuff podcast I will get we you are. the accurate results. We always demand accuracy. And actually, the reason I brought it up is I have a kind of bold prediction. I don't know how bold it is. I think Jacob deGrom enters the elite tier this season. I love Jacob deGrom. And I think the main thing holding him back is just innings. Is he going to be more than a 200-inning pitcher? Uh, and I don't know that he has to be anymore. Uh, you know, much more than that. I think if he can get to 210, let's say, I think Jacob deGrom can be an elite pitcher. Uh, he threw 201 and a third last year, and he had a 3.53 ERA, and that's not very elite, but I believe he's better than that. His previous career high was 3.04. Uh, so um, I love the strikeouts for DeGrom. I, I'm excited about him. I want him on my team. I think Jacob DeGrom can become, he'll be, what, a fourth-round pick this year? He'll be a second-round pick in 2019 when we all realize just how freaking awesome Jacob DeGrom is, and he and I have the same birthday, so how about that? Number of pitchers with 180 innings plus the last four years, 35, 2017, then you go back 46, 56, 66. It's, it's, it's a precipitous drop there. I will okay, say, so I would DeGrom. expect at some point that levels off. I don't know. I think it might be like, like I don't think yeah, in maybe. five years we're going to have negative. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. 180 <laughs> innings. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah. Still. At some point it will level off. I don't know that it, it's going to level off at last year's mark. Um, but. I do think there's a lot of validity to what's um, what's causing it to happen. I mean, we didn't see nearly as many major pitcher injuries last year. And, uh, you know, that's obviously just a one-year thing. We'll have to see if it continues. But um, it was becoming an epidemic. And, um, and the Dodgers and Astros both had a lot of success with this last year. You know who's really good? Who? Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I think this conversation, we need to move it along. So what do you think about DeGrom being an elite starting pitcher? So he's not far off already. Yeah, on a per inning basis, it's not, or on a per start basis, it's not like he gets pulled early a lot. The weird thing about his like limited inning totals, 191 is his second most, uh, did he get to 200 last year? Just barely? 201 and a third. Yeah. But it's not like he's like Kyle Hendricks and he's just going five and a third no. innings every time out. I mean, it's going 200 innings is a big freaking deal. Right. Days. But the, but the thing is he only made 31 starts last year. Sure. 
that's pretty weird. You would think a number one pitcher typically makes 33 to 35 starts if they avoid the DL. He didn't have a DL stint last year, right? Well, I guess my point was, like, yeah, he he had an inflated ERA. I think we all probably think that DeGrom is not a 350 ERA guy. And just you look at him, and and the one thing that would really hold him back from being an elite starting pitcher is innings. I don't think he's going to throw 220 innings. But that was kind of my point of the whole stat of the day would say, I don't think he needs to anymore. Uh, you can you can throw 200. Again, I would like to see him get to 210. Which would be a career high, but you can throw 200 to 210 and still finish, you know, top five or something like that. I think it's much more realistic now. So that's a guy that I'm going to be targeting. I would, I would, I would, like I would take him over Cindergard, and I would probably take him over Severino. And I know that most people wouldn't. So I guess I'm kind of becoming the Degrom guy, which I've been like three years in a row. I think he's a very solid number one pitcher. Okay, great. All right, well then, let's move on and get you guys involved a little bit more. Uh, news and notes. Yasiel Puig's agency has ended its relationship with him, reportedly for behavioral issues, according to SB Nation. And Puig is a pretty interesting player because he's a useful fantasy guy. Uh, he get, got, what, like 15 steals, 28, back season last yeah, 28 year. home runs. Surprisingly, okay, he hits 263 with 28 homers and 15 steals and only the number 25 outfielder in points, number 31 in Roto. Batting average is bad. I mean, 263 batting average is going to hold you back. So what do you guys think about Puig? When do you draft him if if you draft Yasiel Puig? I think you draft him as your third outfielder, maybe even a fourth outfielder. But, you know, that's that you have a pretty strong outfield if you're able to get him as your fourth outfielder. Um, and I, I'm actually, in you know, assuming nothing more results of this whatever behavioral thing happened with him, assuming he's good to go for the Dodgers at the start of the year. I'm, I'm encouraged about um, him actually exceeding his production last year. Cause you remember for, for most of last year, he was the eighth hitter in the Dodgers lineup and they, you know, he was having such a good year. They moved away from that as the season went on, but it's, it's hard to measure up an RBI and runs when you're batting eighth. And yeah. you're getting fewer at bats. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's it's not as big a deal, I feel like, as some people make of it, but it's a big enough deal that, it, you know, you, you may notice the improvement. Yasiel Puig, breakout season coming. Uh, only hit 263, but that was with a 274 Babbitt last year. He had a career low strikeout rate of 17.5%. I think we saw a better version of Yasiel Puig last season than we have since his rookie season. I think he will have a very good season. Yeah, I think he, I think Puig might be kind of a sleeper, but I also think that the, uh, the behavior, you know, his agent firing him because of behavioral issues, when Puig makes, you know, a good amount of money, that's not insignificant. And this is a guy who has been held back. I, I don't know this for absolute certainty, but I think it's pretty clear. Puig has been held back by behavioral issues. He's, he doesn't have the mentality that you want, you know? It's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for the Dodgers and, and for fantasy owners, he does not seem to be well received in many circles. Um, that's you know, it's a lot of a lot of hearsay, but a lot of genuine reporting too seems to back up that idea. And and they demoted there's him. There's something to be said for liking the people you work with. Yeah. So I don't know. It's you know, if he's if he's a superstar, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but for a while there, he wasn't even looking like a positive player last year he got back on track so we've seen him be the kind of guy who one month long slump can bury him in his team's eyes too yeah yeah 
Okay, well, would you rather have Puig or Adam Duvall? Puig. Puig. Puig or Brett Gardner? Puig. Puig. Okay, man, Puig's good. Uh, last note here, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, the Red Sox had trade discussions during the winter with the Indians for Edwin Encarnacion, but the Red Sox were not willing to give up Jackie Bradley Jr. That just shocked me. Like, you wouldn't give That's up. Weird. Yeah, I don't, maybe there was more to it, but you wouldn't give up Jackie Bradley Jr., who is an amazing defender, for Edwin Encarnacion, one of the best offensive players in the game, on a reasonable contract. That is weird. Yeah. Well, isn't I mean, obviously, Encarnacion's a much better fantasy player, and you know, I don't necessarily treat WAR as gospel, but isn't Jackie Bradley, because of his defense, the higher WAR player? And certainly, he's younger. Maybe, but he's, you know, I, I do wonder if you reach a point, uh, especially with the the shape of Boston's park, you probably reach a point of diminishing returns with outfield defense in that specific outfield, right? Wouldn't it be reflected in war? I don't know. Well, I'm not sure how that would be, uh, how that would be. Yeah, I don't know. They, they do have a, they do have a, they do have a pretty tricky center field and he navigates uh, it really well. But yeah. still, He's like, come on, good. you can't, like, you cannot prioritize defense. I, I think it's crazy to prioritize defense over a guy who can hit 40 home runs. Well, especially when you already have Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi. Right, Betts yeah. playing three center fielders. Yeah, but, but I didn't know if that, that tells you more about they think Bradley still has a lot of potential left as a hitter, or they are afraid of Edwin Encarnacion, or we just don't know enough about the situation. I just thought it was very interesting. I think, I think teams tend to like the, the, the what they already have. If it's if it's more or less equal, and looking at the wars, I feel like it's more or less equal, except Bradley's younger. Much younger. So I I don't know I I I don't think it's crazy that they turned down this trade. I I, I wouldn't think it was crazy if they accepted this trade either. I just I I don't think you're giving defense enough credit, or at least the way modern executives value defense enough credit. Well, they're stupid because defense doesn't win championships. Home run hitters <laughs> who drive in a hundred runs every year win championships. Scott White. Okay. Yeah. No, I I would always prioritize offense over defense, which may be to my detriment, but I'll never get that chance. So there you go. Well, pitchers and catchers, as I mentioned, are reporting very soon. We're almost there, so you got to get signed up for your fantasy baseball leagues, and I promise if you use CBSSports.com, you will not regret it. CBS Sports Commissioner has launched. It's the best place to play. I've, I've played on other sites, and obviously I prefer CBS and – you know, you don't have to take my word for it because you know I'm going to be biased, but just go on there and, and you'll see just uh, it, you'll see how great the leagues are. Why? Because they're customizable. You can create your own stat categories. You can adjust scoring by position. Uh, there's a deep player pool with minor leaguers and, and even a feature to add your own player. It's great for dynasty leagues because you can swap up to three years of future draft picks, plus the player pool is so deep. And the advanced stats are great. So if you're like, you know, a regular Chris Towers and you love analytics, you're going to love playing on CBS Sports. And when you sign up on CBS Sports, please help us out. Let them know that you listen to the podcast. Visit cbssports.com slash FBT, cbssports.com slash FBT, and get your league started today. Please, uh, cbssports.com slash FBT. All right, so we got a lot of emails to get to, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And this one, we talked about it via email yesterday. It could have been an entire podcast rather than just a segment on a podcast. But uh, we'll try – what do you guys want to do? What did we end up deciding? 
Oh, I think Chris wanted to make it its own podcast, but since we're uh, into it now, I guess we're just going to yeah. have to like most. A lot of these are self-explanatory, and we can just blow over them. Okay, so so here's there a, maybe the, some discussions that spring from this. The email from Matt was: I was wondering if you could give some of the best examples of big name players drafted early on, and a comp at their position that will put up similar numbers that you can draft several rounds later. So it was really interesting, you know, an example of an early round pick and a comp at the same position that will put up similar numbers that you can I get several rounds later. I didn't go with all same positions because, <clears throat> unlike you guys, I don't think position matters that much. <laughs> Just get the best player. And, and I think that's part of this discussion is there are going to be guys at shortstop that we draft five rounds earlier who have the same production at guy, as guys as outfield. Yeah. And it's not necessarily all that smart to do. Um <clears throat> well, okay. We'll we'll get into that more, whether it's smarter to do it or not, and I think it varies from case to case. You didn't include mine in here, Adam. Come on. Didn't we have enough? <laughs> I mean, like we we have so many guys like this would take an entire show, but fine. Sure, you, Scott, you but can... I like I like some of mine. Okay. I'm sure ahead. you let's did. get started. Alright, so this is what Chris said. The name brand would be Anthony Rizzo. The guy you can get a little bit later would be Jose Abreu, with that puts up similar numbers. I mean, what is the, what, what is the, uh, the big difference between what they did last year in particular? Massive difference. Well, last year, no, but yeah, actually in points, in points leagues, massive difference in walks. A brave yeah, is really well. Okay. Chris, Chris tailored this more yeah, from this a is five more by right. five perspective. Yeah. And I, I think it makes sense in a five by five perspective. Rizzo is a better overall player than a brave. Gets on base a lot more. Um, but. Abreu might actually have a slight advantage in Roto just because I think there's higher batting average potential there. Yeah, I, Rizzo probably has more power. Although, um, very close. He's only got like three more home runs over the last three seasons. I think it's close. the The other thing is the runs, uh, you which would, is from getting on base and being in a good lineup. Yeah, yeah. Abreu is not really a last year. He was good with runs. He scored 95, but that was a career high. He's usually in the 80s. But yeah. no, it's, I mean, look, if you get like a two round discount, it's really not bad. If you do, but I, I have Rizzo as an early second rounder and Abreu as an early third rounder, so I'm, you know, they, I think that's, yeah, I, was I think go- that's fine. I was also going off ADP. Okay. Which is early and is prone to fluctuation, but yeah, still. That's. Okay, let's enough. go to the next one. Name brand is Trey Turner. The generic guy you can get later. <laughs> I love the name brand generic. It's very funny. Uh, Trey Turner or Starling Marte. Yeah, so you can get Marte later. Yeah, I mean, Turner might get twice as many steals as Marte. It might not be quite that many. And he's also a shortstop. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw Starling Marte play a full season, actually, he didn't even play a full season. He stole 47 bases in 129 games in 2016. Stole 21 in 77 games last year. It's, you know, it's when you're buying the generic in this case, it definitely tastes a little worse. (laughs) But (laughs) I was um, thinking more prescription. He's the RC Cola of this discussion. and I feel like it's another one where the gap is even wider in the points league, where Marte is yeah, yes. kind of underwhelming. Yeah, but I do like, I do think people are sort of forgetting about him in Roto because Marte was probably a third round pick in Roto last year, has the PED, PED suspension, struggles a little bit, but still stole a bunch of bases. Like, I love, I think I took Marte in Roto league in the sixth round, about 61st overall, I think. He's, He's gone as early as the late, the end of the, the last pick of the third round in a roto draft we did. Uh, his ad, his ADP right now is 50th. Okay. Well, that's, I, I think 50th is great value for Marte. Yeah. 
Okay, next up, uh, the name brand is Alex Bregman. The generic is Lorenzo Cain. This is my favorite one. This is the weirdest one. Good, they're not the same position. Beyond that. Like, I'm not even sure they're the same phenotype of player. <laughs> I see Kane as more of the athletic base dealer, and Bregman is more of a, at least what I, what I envision Bregman ultimately becoming is more of a power and high OPS guy. Um, but he had, he did steal a decent number of bases last year. And he's being, you know, I've, I've been discussing Alex Bregman with just industry people. He might be the most divisive player in fantasy baseball right now. There are people who think he's worth an early third round pick right now. And there are people who think, you know, I'm more on the, I'm just not going to draft Alex Bregman. Like it's not even, I don't know what he's worth, but I'm not going to get him. The earliest I'd go is fourth. I like him more than you. He's going to be drafted before I'm willing to consider him, especially when there are guys and, and, I think a lot of industry people are looking at Alex Bregman as more of a power speed guy right now. Uh, I will say this about Kane. Last two seasons, 18 of his 24 home runs were hit on the road, and he's obviously going to a much better ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I think he that's could have what, a 20-30 season. That's what also makes it weird is, like, I don't even know. I, I thought I had an idea what Kane's upside was, and I think Bregman's is definitely higher than that, but... Kane in this new location? Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. And Kane's going 93rd right now. Alex Bregman, I think, is 36th. 33rd! Alex Bregman is going 33rd right now. It's crazy. <laughs> this Alex Bregman thing is crazy. Anthony Rendon is going two rounds later than Alex Bregman. Uh, <laughs> That's more yeah. what I see Bregman becoming is what Anthony Rendon was last uh, year. Let's do a but few more here. In any case. Anthony Rudd, don't you go before him. Anyway. Chris, we'll let do one more of yours, and then we'll we'll do a couple of Scots. Go ahead, and you can pick. Oh, one wow. more of mine. Okay, I want to talk about this one. You can buy the, the name brand Kyle Hendricks, <laughs> or you can wait like 100 picks and get Jamison Tyone, who everybody's just kind of forgotten about. I was, I was tweeting about this yesterday. We make these, you know, we've done this with Dallas Keuchel a couple years ago, or, uh, you know, somebody last year where, oh, well, he was hurt. That's why he didn't pitch well. Jamison Tyone had cancer last year, came back and pitched poorly. And we're just like, well, that's the real Jamison Tyone. That's it. That's who he is now. And it's like, this was an elite prospect who was elite at AAA, was very good in the majors last year or in 2016 as a rookie, was very good before his before he had to leave the team. And we're just like, this guy's bad. No, who's saying that? Like it, Nobody wants to draft him. Okay, I know, but I think, you're, I think you're going a little bit too far. Like, I would love to draft Jameis and Tyo late. Let's not act like we're all forgetting his, about his him. His ADP we all think he right sucks. now is 186th. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great point. I would love to take a shot on him. Uh, and I think he can follow the Kyle Hendricks archetype of not necessarily being a great strikeout pitcher, although I think he's a little better than Kyle Hendricks in that regard, but has good command and control. And has shown the ability to um, to limit hard contact. Last season, there was only one pitcher, I can't remember who, but only one pitcher had a higher difference between his stat cast-derived expected WOBA and his actual WOBA. He, he induces a lot of weak contact. I think he's going to be 
Kyle Hendricks for, you know, a seven-round discount. I'm not so sure that the discount isn't more a case of people overvaluing Hendricks. But Maybe. Okay. In any case. Scott, do you have a couple you'd like to contribute? Sure, I do, Adam. Let me just remember what they are. Okay, <laughs> so uh, I had my own Anthony Rizzo comp, and it's Reese Hoskins, which I've made that comparison a few times on this podcast already. Um, I feel like they're both... You know, probably limited to the 270 range in batting average, but walk a lot, 35 plus homer power. That's like a three round discount at least. Um, a couple that, like I have Rafael Devers on my breakouts list. So I am clearly more excited about drafting Rafael Devers. I think he clearly has more upside than this other player. But if you just project out Devers stats from last year, which, you know, it was a fine rookie showing from Devers. Like, if he did that in his age 21 season, uh, I think the Red Sox would be thrilled, just projecting that out over a full season. But he ends up looking a lot like Eugenio Suarez, if that happens. And that's that's an issue um, at most of the infield spots, especially third base and second base, where there are some players with more upside like there are reasons to like some of these players more than others but if you just narrow it down to most likely outcome which is not a way i normally like to draft but you know it's kind of a projections based method of drafting this is the player's most likely outcome i think devers and suarez's are similar and you're talking about 12 to 15 rounds difference between them I have another one that's not quite as extreme, and it doesn't quite fit the name brand versus generic, but the generic version of Rafael Devers in ADP right now. Adrian Beltre. Like, aren't, we're kind of hoping Rafael Devers' skill set evolves into what Adrian Beltre is, a yes. high contact power hitter mm-hmm. in a good lineup. Yep. Now, Adrian Beltre, 39 years old, injury prone season last year. There's a lot of risk there. Mm-hmm. But we've seen Rafael Devers play 58 games in the majors. He's 21 years old. There's a lot of risk there, too. And Rafael Devers is going four rounds ahead of Adrian Beltre. Scott, got one more? Yeah, this one is similar to um, to the last one. It's 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 Xander Bogarts and Andrelton Simmons. <laughs> See, like, yeah, Sim- Simmons just like he's been such a bad hitter for almost all of his career, and mm-hmm. he. Was a bad hitter for a lot of last year too, but go ahead, go ahead, sir. Well, so was Xander Bogarts. <laughs> they both, they both, I think have the lo- the most likely outcome for each. I think is like twelve to fourteen homers, twelve to fourteen steals. They're both gonna. Simmons is actually probably gonna have a higher contact rate. Uh, he'll have a lower BABIP on that contact rate, but I think it could even out to about the same batting average. Um. Obviously, Bogarts has more untapped potential than Simmons, and I, I think he's a little safer than Simmons. But you know what I really, what formats I really like to apply this kind of thinking to, is the the deeper formats, those AL NL only leagues where you're, or or you know, like a 2014 mixed league where you're basically just don't want to leave yourself with a hole anywhere. If you can get the less uh, trendy player, the less buzzed about player who you could see putting up similar production to the buzzed about player, you can get 
you you can wind up with a roster like a stacked roster even though it doesn't have any superstars on it it's or at least has fewer superstars on it you just yeah. you're just going um you're just leaving yourself with more auction dollars or or whatever to to fill out those weaker spots with players that aren't really as weak by comparison I, I i like the theory i mean it's a great point <laughs> i just i don't i i don't know like i look at angelton simmons He's been a really bad hitter for most of his career. You know, like his slugging percentage, 416, 396, 331, 338, 366, and then last year 421. But this is a guy with a 375 career slugging percentage. Like, like he's a bad hitter almost always. Last year he had a good year. But even last year, like, he had 19 steals. He'd never stolen more than 10 bases. So, you know, probably going to run more with the Angels. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I— just Adam, like, can I give uh, two sucks. more? One that was designed to troll Scott, and one that was designed to make him happy. Uh, yes, but we can't analyze them. We have That's to fine. move on. <laughs> Go on. Go ahead. The name brand is Jake Arrieta. The generic who will be better than him this year is Zach Godley. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's for you, Scott. I they're only like three spots apart in my rankings. So but they're if, like I if think ADP like... is showing different, then people are sleeping on Zach Godley, which is why he's on my sleepers list. And. Why draft Dallas Keuchel when you get Marcus Stroman like four rounds later? Whip. It's the same guy. No, he's not. That, now you're bothering me. Now I hate you. <laughs> uh, but I know you like Marcus Stroman, and you do make the comparison to Dallas Keuchel very often. So I get it, my friend. All right, thank you for the email, Matt. Thank you for the podcast segment. This is Gabe in Boston. Dear Scam and Creeth, can you discuss Robbie Anderson versus Aaron Nola Gabe wants to keep Aaron Nola. He just has a feeling. Keeping Nola over Robbie Ray. What do you guys think? Oh, you said Robbie Anderson. Yeah. I was like, what What sport are we podcasting? Oh, sorry. Uh, Robbie Ray Aaron Nola is not as fast as Robbie Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, for keeper value, I think Robbie Ray probably has more upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but to make it – to put it in a context that makes a little more sense for the general audience – Robbie Ray right now, his ADP is two rounds higher than Aaron Nola. That makes me want to draft Aaron Nola. I think Robbie Ray does have more upside, but there is a lot of risk. And I think, um, I don't think there's a lot of risk of, of Robbie Ray. There is risk of some regression with the ERA because, you know, 2016, one of the reasons we liked him, one of the reasons a lot of us liked him as a breakout going into last season is because he had a terrible BABIP. It was like 350 in 2016. Um, he overcorrected that last year, had an unusually low BABIP, about 260. And so obviously that contributed to the 289 ERA, 115 whip. And I would expect both of those to go up a little if everything else stays the same. But I also feel like there may be some untapped potential otherwise with Robbie Ray you look at some of his single game strikeout totals in the second half last year there was a four game four start stretch where he had 10 14 12 10 and then they limited his innings the rest of the season so he didn't get back to that number but i i'm not sure like i i'm not sure we've seen the best of Robbie Ray yet so even if some correction happens with Babip i think he may be able to compensate in other ways and while Aaron Nola looks like you know Looks like he's taken an ace turn too. I think Robbie Ray's a step and a half ahead of him. I, I think there's even more than two rounds difference between them. So, no pitcher in baseball gets hit harder than Robbie Ray. 
Uh, he had a 40% hard contact rate last season. That is the kind of thing that when we see it for a hitter, we think that's an elite hitter. He strikes everyone out though. Yeah. So he's going to, he's just going to be a high variance pitcher. I think he's going to be someone who his ERA might fluctuate a run and a half every month of the season and you'll just have to live with it. <laughs> but I will say he had a 372 FIP last season. He had a 376 FIP in 2016. Because he's a high variance pitcher, he might just keep outperforming or underperforming that by wide margins. But I think you should probably expect him to be a guy who lands in closer to the league average rate in ERA and whip. And so at that point, you're hoping that the Diamondbacks remain good and he wins more games. And then you're really just drafting him for strikeouts at that point. Yeah, well, you know, the whip could be a concern, obviously, with, with Ray. He does still walk a lot of guys. How could a guy give up so much hard contact and have a low BABIP? <laughs> Weird. Because uh, he gives up a lot of home runs, and home runs don't count uh, uh. as balls in play, so that's part of it. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Uh, Enola is interesting because he he's had stretches of being an ace. Like his last 18 starts, he had a 3 ERA. But even in those last 18 starts, he had a four-start stretch. And three of those four, he allowed five or more in runs. And two of those three were against the Marlins. That's not going to happen this year. But, but Nola also, like the year before, he was just terrible. Remember, he just completely lost it. And then he went on the DL. So I don't know if it's because he doesn't have overwhelming stuff. He only yeah. throws about 92 miles per hour. Is he going to be prone to really bad starts? Kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, the guy in the Blue Jays. Help me out here. Marco Estrada. Marco Estrada. Yeah, yeah. He he's got better stuff than Marco. Estrada. Yeah, and he's a better um, pitcher. But but is it sort of like the generic I, I, generic yes. discount thing? I, I think the bigger risk is probably that he's had elbow issues both seasons in the majors. Um, I don't think we can discount that when looking at him because the profile for him looks like a pretty safe pitcher. Lots of strikeouts, low walks, ground balls. Um, I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be pretty good, especially right. because the stuff took a turn last year for the better. Okay, that's Aaron Nola. Next email is from Dr. Mike Tanner. Consider a pod about the tier of starting pitcher right after the top four. Have each pick their guy and a bust. <laughs> All right, so after the big four, who's your guy and who's a bust? My guy is, I, I you know, I guess since I, I seem to be on an island with him, it, Within the industry is Zach Greinke. And I understand why he, he does, like he's my fifth. He's number five of that. So he's the first of that next tier for me. And I understand why he's not exciting. Like compared to some of the others, he doesn't have the same K per nine rate. Um, and he's, you know, he's a, approaching 35. I don't worry about the age so much from him though, because he is, just because of the type of pitcher he is. He's, he's not somebody who has to blow people away with, with pure stuff. He's never been that. He's been more of a command specialist and uh, who relies a lot on his secondary stuff. So I, I don't worry about the age with him. What what I like most about Zach Greinke is pretty confident, as confident as you can be for a pitcher that age taking on that workload, that he's not going to get injured. And I, he was able to navigate Chase Field last year so I, I don't I don't know what happened to him that first year there, but I don't really think there's much performance risk either. I I like the the danger in drafting a pitcher in the early rounds was always that he could get hurt and then you just wasted that pick. And I feel like Granky 
while he may not technically finish fifth, I'm not confident in picking who the guy is that will. And so I'd rather just take the safe one, Grinky. I'll go the exact opposite way. Zach Reinke's ceiling is probably like the number seven starting pitcher and his floor is probably like number 22 or something. Give me the guy who, if everything goes right and he stays healthy, is just as good, if not better, than any of the members of the top four. No, Syndergaard. Yeah. that You're going to draft a lot of him, though? or Because obviously my guy's DeGrom. I already said that, but... I'm probably not going to draft Noah Syndergaard much just because my strategy this season has more been I'm targeting one, if not two, of the top four. You know who actually I really like is Carlos Carrasco. Uh, he feels kind of safe to me. I mean, it's weird you say that because last year was the first year he didn't spend, has have a DL stint I, that kind of knocked him out of that elite group. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, inning for inning, I think he's... I think he's basically DeGrom. Um, I, yeah, I, I think DeGrom will have a better ERA, but. Yeah. But I, I don't know that for sure. I mean, Carrasco, Carrasco like, is prone to these weird, like, terrible starts that. He's also gonna be 31 on opening day. Which eh, is surprising. It is a little surprising, but it doesn't really matter to me personally for a pitcher, but. Um, and then who's a bust for you guys? Like, other than everyone. They all have bust potential. <laughs> yeah. That's the easy pitchers. answer, right? Yeah. Um, Robbie I, Ray. Yeah. He's thirteenth in ADP right now. I think he's around there in the in the consensus ranking. And it just, I liked Robbie Ray when I could get him as the sixty ninth pitcher off the board. Um, nice. But paying for him at thirteenth feel, I I don't like paying for ceiling. And that's what you're. I think you're paying for the absolute best case scenario of Robbie Ray. When, like, a wobby way. Wobby way. <laughs> when, like I said, he's just a massively risky pitcher, even beyond the fact that all pitchers are inherently risky because of injury risk. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. he's got a bust. Mm. I, I'll say one. Let's take, okay, go ahead. I, look, I, I studied it last year. I, I was, I was laughed at, scoffed at, but pitchers who pitch in the World Series often struggle the following year. And I, I, Corey Kluber, of course, won the Cy Young. But all of the Cubs, <laughs> all of the Cubs guys kind of disappointed us, including Lester. Carlos Carrasco had his best season yet. Yeah, but no, I, I don't count guys who had injury-shortened seasons. I'm talking about guys who had heavy workloads innings-wise. Uh-huh. Justin Verlander, I mean. Oh, he, that's not where I thought you were going with this. Go he's ahead. kind of a machine. You know, he's, he's built to pitch a lot of innings, but I mean, there's a lot of innings on that arm. Another World Series run. You've got to at least be aware of it with, with Verlander. You know, we didn't mention him in the last podcast because we were talking about hitters, but Justin Verlander absolutely belongs in that discussion of old guys who could just fall off the cliff. We've seen him fall off the cliff, and then he kind of just Tom Cruise free-climbed his way back up. But <laughs> yeah. there's, there's I'm a un- lot of risk there. I'm unusually bullish on Verlander. And when I say unusually, I mean relative to others in the industry. I'm unusually bullish on Verlander, too. He's actually number six for me right after Granky. So uh, I I feel like he's pretty safe, actually. And, and when I say safe, I mean he's going to give you 200-plus innings. And I trust that the other numbers will be close enough to ace caliber that that'll, the innings total alone will be enough to put him over the top. Maybe that, maybe that's just, you know, I've, I've referred to also, I think innings, there's a market inefficiency with innings right now, uh, in fantasy baseball. And, and maybe that's just, 
that playing out, that idea playing out in my rankings. But anyway, um, my bust pick among this group is actually going to be Cinderguard. Why injury? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a fine reason. Yeah, uh, it's but that's the guy on a per inning basis that could be. You know, he could be the best pitcher. He he is the breakout pick of that group, and he is the best. Yeah, like there, there is nobody else in that group except maybe Luis Severino, who I think could just be the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, you know, I was gonna say a really corny joke. Now I'm on the fence because it's kind of past. But I think I'm gonna say that if, uh, if hey Scott White, if you had a sword, you'd name it Ace Caliber. Instead of Excalibur, <laughs> I oh I get you. No, yeah. I've yeah no I've actually I because Ace Caliber is a term I use a lot in writing too, and I always in my head I'm like that sounds like Excalibur. Excalibur, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, I, was, I knew better than to say it out loud. <laughs> Blake Blake in Santa Barbara, dear Mister Peterman, Mister Pitt, and Mister Lipman. Is Mister Lipman from Seinfeld too? Yep. Okay. Right. Lane had a lot of bosses. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which three current closers would you predict are the first to lose their jobs, and who would take over for them? Uh, Fernando Rodney. <laughs> That's always the go-to. And Addison Reed. Had. Addison Reed would take over for him, right? <laughs> um. Oh, I have a good answer for this, and now I can't think of it. Let me Texas. pull my really. Arodis Viscaino is Scott's answer. He is the Arodis Viscaino doubter. No, it's Alex Claudio. We just said this. Sure. Yes, Alex Claudio. I don't trust him at all to keep the job, and I think Keone Kell is better. Arotis Viscaino, I think he, I think he could be a fine closer, but AJ Minter is is could be an unbelievable Craig Kimbrell caliber uh, closer. Kelvin Herrera. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. That's fine. We're done. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. Here's an email that must be read. It is from Zach. Hey, Terry, Bobby, John, and Alex. Terry. Red Sox managers. Oh, nice. Did not get that. Uh, first question. I missed the theme song. Whether it's We Didn't Start My Fires or Kokomo, bring them back. What happened? Well, we retired them temporarily, but we will have a new theme song soon. And, uh, we will probably have a new parody theme song soon. So don't worry. That's coming back. Why'd you have to retire it? Um, I was asked to. Oh, oh. Yes, yes. Well, well. Second, second, well, Chris is my boss now. Chris could tell me what to do. <laughs> second question, uh, when are you starting your position previews? Looks like Tuesday after President's Day will be the start of our position previews. So put that on your calendar and tell your friends. Uh, I don't know, when is that? To, that is the like, 11 20th? days from today? The 20th. The 20th? Yeah. Okay. That is the day we are also having our NL only roto auction. Oh, That'll God. be a fun day. I am so happy I'm not in that. It's the worst. I can't like. It's the worst draft. We have this really fun auction in the like a four. It's like a party. Hour, a it's like a party hour at work. NL only you and he thirty man. You and he Al, Al, Al and I used to treat it like a party, and you and he well, were like, bring, oh, if you bring some pizza and balloons, maybe I'll like it more. Oh, I think oh, I might get pizza gosh. tonight. I might get pizza tonight. And, uh, I would like to tell people, since you care so much about pop culture and our movie, uh, movie choices, I watched three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri last night. Did you guys see it? Yeah, how was it? Well, it's very heavy. It's not like a feel good movie, but it's good. Really, like, really I, good. I love all the people in it. They're amazing. All are I, amazing. I'm a, Sam Rockwell is great. Dude, what is Francis he from? Mc, Francis no. McDormand is a, uh, is a national treasure. She's great. But what, what is Sam, what is his name? Sam Rockwell? 
Sam Rockwell. What is he from? It was killing me the whole night. Uh, I would guess his biggest role is probably the Charlie's Angels movie, the first one. Really? That's not what I know of Sam Rockwell. He was in uh, The Way, Way Back. Yes! Yes! God, that movie's incredible! How oh, great is that yeah, movie? Yeah, that movie's great. Okay. Hitchhiker's Guide. He is phenomenal in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. All right, let's do some combos and some player debates. I put these up on Twitter. So uh let's get started. Also, the, the new Fifty Shades of Grey movie is coming out soon, so everybody's excited <laughs> for that. Uh Would you rather have Manny Machado or Carlos Correa? The Twitter followers say they'd rather have Machado 56% to 44%. Hmm. Well, that's not what I think. That's certainly not what consensus rankings show. That's not what my own rankings show. I I get it. I think, yeah, I've, I've actually struggled with this idea too. I've talked about it on the podcast where, you know, if, if we go ahead and assume shortstop eligibility for Machado, would I rank him ahead of Correa? Um, and my gut reaction is to say yes, but I mean, Correa was just so much better than last year that I kind of don't want to either. It's, not only, not only was Correa better than him last year, if you take Machado's best season, and you take Correa's season last year and give him like 155 games because he only played 109, it would have been yeah. better than Machado's best season. Which, Although that's, but that's making a lot of assumptions. And it's also just, it's a completely different offensive environment. Uh, completely different? Too. Yeah. It's... But I mean, we've only seen two thirds of the season where Correa was better than Machado. Yes. You know I what? don't think if it's you... an easy answer at all. All right. Let's say, let's say you think the answer is Carlos Correa and you want him. What you should probably do is wait until Carlos Correa or Manny Machado gets drafted and then take whichever one's left. I don't know that you can do that though. Yeah, it's gonna be. Like, you can't do that. You're, you're, it's, it's Maybe not, you it, you're not gonna get it on the way back. It's, it's I'm going t- to happen. I'm talking about in auctions, guys. Okay. Well, in auctions. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean. But then. You can't do that. If you wait till the second one in an auction, there's a scarcity that's created yep. and he could potentially go for more. So who's it? Auction What's your answer? Spread. What's your answer? I would rather have Correa. Chris? Uh, I'd probably rather have Machado. Uh, I, I guess I'll probably take Machado, but it is close. All right, next one. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, Karis Davis, or Tommy Pham? I knew Benintendi would win. I wanted to see by how much. Andrew Benintendi, Chris Davis with a K, or Tommy Pham? And Benintendi got 54% of the vote. Karis Davis got 22%, and Tommy Pham got 24%. I think the good news is that Baltimore's Chris Davis is bad enough now where we don't have to specify who we're talking about. <laughs> so um that's done. But, yeah, Benintendi runs away with it, guys. And who's your favorite here? I'm sure it's Benintendi, right? No, it's Pham for me. Oh. I'm feeling a little, like, about Benintendi the way I do about Bregman, where just, like, everyone is so high on him that there are just – there are guys who will probably do exactly what he does who aren't going to get drafted in the same range, and I'd rather just wait. I mean, Fam was better than Benintendi last year. Fam, Fam is be- was better last year than either of those other players have ever been, and there's reason to be skeptical, I, I get it, of Fam and whether he can do that again. But it was, like I've said before with Fam, he did so many different things well that even if he doesn't quite measure up in one of those areas next year, still going to be a stud. The thing that makes it easy for me in terms of drafting is why invest an early fourth round pick in Andrew Benintendi when Christian Yelich is going to be there 20 spots later? 
or Tommy Pham is going to be their 20 spots yeah. later. Like Ben Intendi mean, actually Ben Intendi might be better than those guys, but it's probably not worth that gap. Is is that what ADP is showing that he's going 20 picks early? 20 picks two? ahead of I, 24 picks ahead of of Christian Yelich. Because I actually rank both Pham and Yelich ahead of Ben Intendi. Again, I don't think ben Chris. Right I'll throw them, out but... Lorenzo Cain. Why do we think Lorenzo Cain's going to be that much worse than Andrew Benintendi? He's going 60 spots later. He's a lot older and, and never has had a lot of power. But but also keep in mind about ADP. It hasn't fully reflected the change to the Brewers for either Cain or for Yelich. I don't buy that Yelich is going to go 20 spots after Benintendi anymore. If he were still with the Marlins, maybe. But now uh-huh. I think it's reasonable how, to take him ahead. How long have people been drafting? I, I don't know. I don't know when that started. Well, the most recent mock draft we did, uh, which was after the yeah, what happened Marlins there? trade, it was a Roto League, and Yelich went 66th. Wow. Well, points is so, probably a better format for him, but also for, yeah. I, it would be a better po- format for Ben Intendi. It would be. They're very similar players, aren't they? Right. That's mm-hmm. what, that's, I had him as one of the name brand, Ben Intendi as the name brand and Christian Yelich as the, the generic. Yeah, Yelich is going to be undervalued if that, if that's the case, if that's where he ends up going. All right. And also just, just to finish it off, Chris Davis, 260 batting average, 40 home runs, two, or two, no, not 260, 247. That's the problem. 247 average and 42 or 43 home runs, two straight years. He's been a top 15 outfielder in points. He's been a top 13 outfielder in roto, two straight years. So it's not crazy to take him. Uh, ahead of those guys. Like if you draft Jose Altuve and then another really good batting average guy with your first two picks, it you might you might take Chris Davis and, and get those forty home runs. Could uh, have a really strong lineup around him. Yeah, right. I could, really could like the pick. collection of guys that Oakland has put together. They could have like three or four thirty five homer guys. Here's another combo. Uh Charlie Blackman and Elvis Andrews. This is not the first combo actually. Charlie Blackman and Elvis Andrews or Christian Yelich and Carlos Correa. So one's got the elite shortstop, one's got the first-round outfielder. It's Blackman and Andrews, or Yelich and Correa. Who would you rather have? I'll go Blackman and Andrews. I will not me. go Yelich and Correa. I would definitely take that. And so with the Twitters, 78% Correa and Yelich, you wow. dummy, Chris. Do people, no, no, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm with Chris. Oh, Do people wow. think Correa is better than Blackman? That's the question I need answered to start with, because I don't, I think Blackman's a lot better than Correa. No, I Like, don't. I think you have to add a huge positional adjustment to get Correa even close to Blackman. No, I, if, if this was just Blackman and Correa, I'm pretty sure yeah. it would come back 85% Blackman. I, okay. I think that people feel Yelich is a lot better than Andrews. And that's fair. Uh, Andrews has only done it for one, well, he was the number one shortstop, like, three of, two of the last four years? Well, that's the thing, like, Andrews, Andrews has been a top two or three shortstop pretty frequently in his career, but I think it's been a lot of cases of taking advantage of Troy Tulowitzki injuries Mm -hmm. when Tulowitzki was the only shortstop worth owning. Yeah. Um, but last year he was pretty much just as good as Francisco Lindor. Yeah, last year he hit for power for the first time, and yeah, I mean I don't, I I think Andrews is undervalued because mm-hmm. everybody assumes he's just going to regress to eight home runs or whatever. I think he'll regress some, but it, I, I'm pegging him for about 16 next year, and with the steals and with everything else, it'll still be borderline elite at a thin position. Um, and Blackman is a big, like, 
Blackman is clearly a, cl- a class above Correa. If he just continues what he did a year ago, he was the best. He was, he was the best hitter. And that, and that breakout happened at the All Star break in 2016, which is when we believe the juiced ball happened, right? Oh, uh, sure. I'm not sure. I think you're talking about Charlie Blackman's breakout? Yeah, but the he basically what he did last year, he had done the first half the previous year. It's kind of like Daniel Murphy a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, right? But you know, full seasons are better indicators than half seasons, Chris. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's okay, true. We last, just take his full season last year. Last one. Uh, would you rather have an upgraded third base or an upgraded starting pitcher? Anthony Rendon and Madison Bumgarner or Josh Donaldson and Carlos Martinez? Rendon this, and Bumgarner or Donaldson and Martinez? This is the easiest combo for me. It's Rendon and Bumgarner. I think th- there's a chance you're getting the better player in both. Yep. Exactly. In fact, my initial rankings had Rendon ahead of Donaldson when I first put them together in uh, November or whatever it was. I since talked myself back into Donaldson over Rendon, but it's it's a very thin line for me, and I think people are underrating Rendon if they choose the other side. Yeah, I think Rendon is way, way underrated right now. <laughs> okay, but at their best, if last year was the best of Anthony Rendon— it's not even close. It's not That's even fair. close to the best of Josh Donaldson. It's a hundred fantasy points less. That's a major deal. That's fair. So I didn't think it was that easy, especially because Bumgarner carries some risk. Yep. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was that easy. In fact, I, th- I think I might rather have Donaldson and and Martinez. But yeah, I don't know. It is close. Um, I guess I underrate Anthony Rendon. I'm probably guilty of that. I think everyone is. Like this is a guy who's been. You know, he was down in 2016, but going into 2016, I remember him being like a – he was like a second or third round kind of pick, wasn't he? Because he had shortstop eligibility, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, no, he didn't have shortstop eligibility. No, he was second, second base. base. Second base, right. It yeah. was – Sorry, it was, it, was going, it was a different landscape. So, yeah, it was coming know. off of the 2014 season that he was – uh so he I took mean, a step right. back. Like 2015, he hurt 2015, he took a step back in 2016. But they but. both were bad years. Like he played 80 games in 2015 and, and 156 yeah. 2016. They weren't that good. So I'm not just completely willing to to say Rendon is is what he was last year, which is still well, not even close to Donaldson. Oh, oh. okay. Um, I would say Rendon, like he had more walks than strikeouts last year, 84 to 82. Yeah, which was clear. In, I mean, he'd he'd always been a good plate discipline guy, but that was that was some underlying improvement that should help validate everything else. And I would also say that he say you don't play in a format that counts that fine. We're drafting Chris Bryant ahead of Josh Donaldson, right? I mean, Bryant and Rendon basically had the same year last year, yeah. and I understand you know that was kind of our low expectations for Bryant, and maybe that's the best Rendon will ever do, but. Well, that's it. Exactly. I, I, still, I still think you're talking about a thin line. Like Rendon is uh, definitively elite at the position. I he think. hit what 25 home runs last year. Yep. You're not elite at third base if you hit 25 home runs. If you do all the other things he does, you are. He only yeah, stole he seven bases. It's not even close. Driving 100 and only 81 runs. That's low in that line. It's right. not even it's, close. I mean, just like to call him elite at third base, which has some amazing hitters. Like he was, he was. Not 86 point, uh, 88 fantasy points behind Nolan Arenado, number one. Like, and that's maybe the best case scenario for Rendon. It's not even close to elite. I See, think, I just, I don't think it's the best case scenario for him well, that because could I be. think he's, I think he's a legitimate, like, 295 
true talent hitter based yep. on what he showed last year. Yep. And when you say 295 true talent, I think that means that your upside could be 315, 320. Well, that would be nice. And that'd if you're comparing nice. him to Arenado, I guess he's a tier below Arenado, but I don't want to put Arenado in his own tier. Like, I, I think it's pretty obvious. No, nobody's, nobody's drafting any third baseman but Arenado first at the position. Right, so but, but Chris Bryant that. was, was much better in 2016 than Rendon was in 2015. Or 17, excuse me. I, like, I don't, the home I, run, it just comes down to home runs, guys. Like he, if he hits 25 home runs, then he's, you know, could be a very, very good player, but I don't think he can be an elite player. I, I think it's a moot mm-hmm. point because nobody's drafting him as that guy anyway. Was Cody Bellinger an elite player? I don't know. You kept saying how much you didn't need him last year <laughs> at outfield. I'm serious. Like, like, was Cody Bellinger an elite player? Yeah. I don't, I don't On know. On a per game basis, Rendon, in, in points leagues, Rendon was the same as Bellinger. So, yeah. you know, obviously there was a home run difference there, but Rendon was making up for it in other ways. So for me, I just, I think the discussion's moot. Because Josh Donaldson's going to be drafted two or three rounds ahead of Anthony Rendon pretty much every time out. Regardless of what you specifically feel about Anthony Rendon and whether he's a lead and whether he belongs in the Chris Bryant tier or in the Justin Turner tier or he's, I think he's clearly being undervalued. I don't think there's, I don't think there's an argument against it and I can't understand why he's only going in this range. Where does he go? 55th. That's crazy. That is crazy. I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think he's, I think Rendon is probably, it's probably crazy in a points league. In a roto league? He's crazy in both. He was the number five player in third, in roto last year. He's my 32nd roto player. Okay. All right. Well, then let's finish off with, uh, well, no, we're pretty much done. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how long we had gone. Uh, here's an email from Grant. In a 10-team AL-only Roto League that allows three keepers, is Lance McCullers worth keeping? Probably, uh, no, probably not. Nope. From Bill, what's the draw of AL-only NL-only leagues? Go deeper in the player pool. Some people don't like the idea of every roster looking like an all-star team. (laughs) Um, I think... I think they're more susceptible to luck because if you're, you're, you're basically eliminating the impact of the waiver wire and, you know, if, if a key player gets hurt, you're just kind of stuck. Okay. Moving on. Next question. Justin from Michigan. Kyle Schwarber is catcher eligible in Yahoo leagues. Where should he be ranked among catchers? Well, if you played on CBS, you wouldn't have this problem, but uh, I would probably rank him. Fourth or fifth at catcher. I'd rank him ahead of Gaddis. It's just Salvador Perez I'm not sure about. Uh, but behind Sanchez, Posey, and Contreras. I would guess Heath would have to rank him third because that's where he has Evan Gaddis. Um, but I agree in the in the top five range. And final question from Greg. I have a chance to trade Danny Duffy for Eddie Rosario in a 24-team keeper league. Give up Duffy, get Eddie Rosario, yes or no? I think it's harder to find the pitcher who goes seven innings consistently than, um, you know, a decent batting average 20 to 25 homer outfielder. I'd, I'd stick with Duffy. Guys, thank you very much. Great show today. Appreciate it. Everybody have yourself a wonderful weekend. We got four episodes for you next week. We'll talk to you on Monday.